Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Faith. What is it? Being sure of our hope. Convinced of what we can't see. By faith, we understand the world was set in order at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain. And for his faith, God commended him as righteous. By faith, Noah trusted God and constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, believing God would still fulfill his promises. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. By faith, God's chosen nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and praised him as it swallowed up the Egyptians. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction because she welcomed the spies in peace. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, David, and the prophets. By faith, they administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire. But others were imprisoned, murdered, and wandered in deserts, mountains, and openings in the earth. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So get rid of every weight, of every sin, and run. Run with endurance the race set before us. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the champion and guide of our faith. For promised joy, he endured the cross, thought nothing of its shame, and having risen again, has been handed his deserved glory at the right hand of the throne of God. Hey, well, good morning, Love City Church. We're glad you're with us here this morning, joining us at home. I pray you're healthy, uh, you're safe, and you're able to enjoy the incredible weather. What a gift from God. It's been so beautiful. Um, but we just want you to know that we love you, and uh, we wish we could be with you in person. But this is the second best thing. So we're glad you let us have come in your home today, and uh, we hope you are able to um, be impacted by today's uh, today's message. Uh, just before we get into that message, next week we're starting a new series, uh, and it's called Thriving, Not Surviving. And we're going to be talking about uh, how you and I were called to live the abundant life, and how do we do that uh, during COVID-19, when uh, we are self-isolated, most likely through the summer, supposedly. And uh, what does it look like to thrive and not just survive this season? God's got a lot of things He wants to do in your life and in my life. And so we're going to be talking about how to be, live a thriving walk with Christ, how to be a thriving person. Uh, my wife's going to be speaking during this time as well on Mother's Day. Come on, somebody. I can hear you all the way uh, online. But she's going to be speaking in a couple of weeks to all you mamas and all you women out there. And that's going to be awesome. So stay tuned next week as we start that series. And today we're going to end our, our very short two-week series called What Now? Living a Life of Faith in a changing world. Last week, we, we really talked about what faith is, and it was really important for me that I really uh, drilled down to the realities of what it means to have a relationship with God, what really faith really means, and, and what should our focus on be in the season. We talked a little bit about how, how easy it is when things happen in our lives, when we experience challenges or difficulties or hardship or things that we didn't expect. What happens in our life is, is that we often get, we find ourselves overcomplicating everything. We overthink it, we overconsider it, we overpray about it, we're just worried about it, and it causes, the first reaction often is for us to overcomplicate 
everything that's going on in our lives. And my uh, charge to you, my encouragement to you is that in this season, we actually have an opportunity to strip it away. We have an opportunity to strip away all of maybe the uh, routines and maybe the belief systems and ideas that we've developed through just being in the rat race, being in the rut of life, doing the normal things. Now we've been taken out of our normal. Whenever that happens in our life, it creates an opportunity for you and I to get back to what, it re what really matters, to get back to the very baseline of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and so we want to talk about how to declutter a little bit, how to declutter and maybe let go of some stuff that have been holding you back in your walk with God and really focus in on what matters, faith in God. Very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The goal of our walk with God is not to overcomplicate it, not to figure out what's going to happen at the end times. You know, is this a rapture? Is it not the rapture? Is it end time or not? Is it the Antichrist or not? You know, is this Trump's fault? Is this China's fault? Is this some guy in Seattle's fault? Some tech wizard? Who knows whose fault it is? All we know is that in this whole season, it's easy to overcomplicate it and overthink about it. And I think God wants us as people of God to come back to the very foundational thing of having a relationship with him and really considering what that looks like and what that means. And so one of the scriptures we looked at last week was in 1 Timothy 1, 5 and 6. And Paul was teaching Timothy, uh, his, uh, one of the pastors that took over the church of Ephesus. And Timothy was a young guy, was leading the church. And Timothy started, or Paul started his letter to Timothy by letting him know that there's a bunch of people in your church who are overcomplicating it and actually missing the point altogether. Look what he says in this verse. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things, which is those three things we mentioned, predominantly a genuine faith that causes my heart to be filled with love. And they've turned away from those things and they spend their time on meaningless discussions. They spend their time thinking and deliberating about things, specifically when it comes to Christianity or being a follower of God, that really is meaningless and it does not build your life of faith in God. And here Paul is saying, the, the whole point here is for you to have a genuine faith that fills your life with love, a clear conscience, a, a pure heart. And so here we see that this word genuine is a unique word, a genuine faith. This word genuine actually means not disguised. It's not concealed. It has no deceit. It's not pretentious. It's the idea of being okay with failing in your life. It's the idea of being okay with who you are as a person. It's the idea that a genuine person generally speaks what's on their mind and speaks what's on their heart. A genuine person is okay with who they are. They don't have a, a low self-esteem. A genuine person recognizes that this is who I am and it is what it is and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you who I am just as I am. The idea of the word genuine is that you are not impersonating something. You're not impersonating someone. It's true. You're not faking it. A genuine person has convictions or expectations on the inside that are more important than the expectations that are on the outside. We adhere our lives and live our lives according to the internal expectation, not the external expectations. A genuine person, or the word genuine, insinuates the idea that you are not judging a judgment of other people, but you take account for yourself and just love other folks. This idea of genuine is basically not faking it, being real, not impersonating it, not making it up, legitimately authentic and sincere faith. We talked a little bit last week about this idea of faith and just by way of reminder, uh, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So last week, we established that faith is not ultimately about what you want. Faith is not this idea that, man, I'm going to have faith to have that thing or faith that I might receive that. Faith is only fully about your understanding and belief in God. This idea of faith is that, that, that you believe that God exists, that God is, is, is present in your life. He's, 
He's not unchanging, that God is alive, and that when you approach God, when you pursue a relationship with God, that you sincerely seek after him, he loves you enough to respond to your life, to respond to you, to minister to you, not with more things, not with a nicer car, not with a nicer home, not with that relationship that I've been wanting. Only and purely, he responds with himself. He responds with a relationship with him. He responds with mercy and grace and he responds with his presence. And when God responds to your life, guess what he does? He provides for all of your needs. He provides for every one of your needs. So anytime you say, God, why aren't you answering this prayer I have? Well, maybe it's a want and not a need because God is faithful to provide everything that you need. And so when we approach God, we recognize that in Psalms 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's already taken care of that. You know, uh, 2 Peter uh, 1 verse 4, which is our kind of our key text for our next series, says that you've been given everything that you need for a godly life. So when we have a relationship with God, our faith is not about what we can get from God. Our faith is simply and purely about knowing God, about having a relationship with God, about experiencing God. That is what genuine faith looks like. It's 100% focused on the character, the nature, and the reality of who God is in my life, not what God will do for me if I can muster enough belief in who he is. That's called consumerism. And consumerism is not uh, involved in genuine true faith. Remember the verse that we talked about last week, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what does it say? All of these things, all the things that you need will be added to you. Okay, so that was our, our, our position of faith last week. And this week, we're gonna step into a little bit more of a layer, kind of a new nuance to it that, that I really wanna help you understand. And, and uh, I want you to know now that I'm not gonna give you specific practical ways that this plays out in your life because that's really up to you and God. And so it'd be easy for me to break it down to three or four things. And if you do this, 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 therefore then you uh, are experiencing this next layer of faith. But I really felt like I needed to step back and just make sure you understood the core of what it's really saying in the verses we're gonna read today, that I don't boil it down to one task. I don't boil it down to doing one thing. Uh, that's actually between you and the Holy Spirit. And when God speaks to you and God uh, uh, prompts you and ministers to you, you'll find that he actually will tell you what you should be doing. It's not my job to do that. It's the Holy Spirit's. And so uh, we can look at this next layer of faith, this idea of the other side of faith. And genuine faith goes beyond just what we believe on the inside. Genuine faith impacts how we live our lives. Genuine faith impacts our decision-making. It, it impacts our values. It impacts how we talk and how we live, things that we do. Paul said in Galatians 5, 6, uh, he said in, in the second portion of the verse, verse 6, what is important, what matters most is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. That word expressing, is, it means operative. It means effective. It means powerful. It means active. So faith actively expressing, actively operating. The word is energeo, the Greek word energeo. And that word is where we get the idea of the English word energy. And so it's this idea that when our faith is expressed, there's an energy. When our faith is activated, there's an energy. It's expressed itself. There's energy when there's, a, there's something that's attached to me, expressing it out loud, expressing it with my life and how I live and how I act. What happens is, is I express it out in love. Something significant happens in your life. James, we're gonna look, Basically, our key text today is found in the book of James. James was Jesus' half-brother, a disciple of Jesus, and he was just very straightforward. If you ever read the book of James, James is just basically no holds bar. He just says it like it is, and just, just like that's what it is. He just says, this is what it's all about. And so I love that about James, but it's very pointed. So there's some pointed thoughts here today, and a little bit of context that, that I mentioned last week is that the book of James— is actually, uh, is actually written, a letter was written to the scattered churches. 
And so the churches were experiencing tremendous persecution. And so they were scattered in their homes. They were self-isolated. They were in their home being persecuted. And instead of being able to communicate with the church in general, they were had to go and have the each house church read this letter. Because if they went out, they would be persecuted. And so they were absolutely self-isolated, just like we're experiencing today. And James also in this book is almost having kind of like a tit-for-tat argument with someone. He's like, he's going back and forth with this individual who made some arguments in the church and James is saying, no, 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 no. And he's actually using language like you foolish person and like, you're, like basically like you're an idiot. Look at the evidence. That's basically how James is talking here. And he's just basically going on and on and on saying, listen, you say this, I say this. You say that, I say this. Back and forth, James is having this conversation. So when he uses the word, you foolish people, he's not talking to you. <laughs> he's talking to this person who is challenging this idea or this thought. And so let's read this verse together. It's a few verses here in James chapter 2, verses 17 and uh, you can look on the screen or you can open your Bible or if you're here with us today, you can just listen to me read it. <laughs> James 2, 17 says this. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish you are. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as scripture says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions, which she hid, uh, uh, hid the messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Now, you might be uh, someone who understands this verse and say, okay, is James saying that in order for us to spend an eternity in heaven and have salvation that we have to do good works? This argument is not about salvation. Salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ alone. In order to see our faith completely expressed in our lives, we have to understand that, that our faith has an external impact on how we live. And so when an internal transformation happens, there is an external transformation as well. Something happens on the outside of our life. And so the issue is not between faith or works. The issue is, is there a faith that has works and there is a faith that does not? The issue is not faith or works. The issue is there's a faith that, that many people have a faith where there is no outward expression of works and there are others who have faith who has an outward expression. And here James is saying the way you and I should live our lives is our faith should be a natural external demonstration of what we believe about our God in heaven. You see, James is implying here, he, he has a firm conviction, this firm, firm conviction and belief in God should lead to a life change. And so just a few verses prior to this, in verse 14, James says, what good is it, my dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show up by your actions? So here James is basically implying, he says, basically, our faith is useless unless there is some sort of physical, external expression of love that happens in our lives. In fact, in verse, he, he goes, I won't go through all the, the, the verses, but he mentions a different uh, faith, what faith looks like if we don't have an external expression of this faith in our lives. Verse 17 and 26 says it's dead and lifeless, a body without a spirit. Verse 26 again says that it's barren. That word barren is the word idle or not working. And he uses this as like a word play. It's, it's, he's, he's basically saying it's a faith that has no works does not work. <laughs> the idea that a faith that does not have an external, external expression 
does not work for our lives. It's a dead end and it leads us to a dead faith. And James says that our faith isn't genuine if it does not impact the way that we live. Now, listen, this is a reality for every single follower of Christ. If you're watching this today and you're, you're hearing what I'm saying, I want you to know that every single one of us today has the ability in our lives to shift into a faith without works. It's a natural thing, especially during a time when we're living at home and we barely go out. It's very easy for us to slip into a time where our relationship with God becomes very internal, but there is no external reality. When shifts come in our lives, there's disappointment from this current season. We get fatigued with how things are turning out. And so the sincerity of our faith begins to subside a bit. And where does it start? What happens is our external expression of, of God's transformation in our life begins to internalize and our external expression becomes an internal expression and it decreases until all we're focused on is ourselves. And this is a slippery slope of nominal Christianity, a slippery slope of our spiritual life. During this season, our faith can become about just what you believe, not about how you live. It can become just about what you believe, not what you do with your external life. And here James is saying, if you continue to live that way, I warn you, scattered Christians, your faith will become fruitless, barren, and dead if you're not finding ways for, to express the transform, transformative power of Christ in your life. That your faith, that I believe that God is living and God is unchanging and God is ever-present. And that I know that if I come to God, when I, when I approach God, he, he will bless me and respond to me. And therefore, he provides for all of my needs. That type of faith is genuine when there's an expression of it. When there's an external expression of that happening in your life. And this is often what happens when we slip into this kind of mode and when we get nominal in our Christianity, either we allow our faith to become just about what we believe and not about what we live, or it becomes about what we believe and very internal, but we continue to express our faith, but not from a place of love for God. And this is where I know if you're watching today, there are many followers of God, and I know I get into this place too, many followers of God where we slip into the religion of do-goodism. Where we begin to, this is a big thing with our younger generation, where we begin to think that if I just do good things, then God will be pleased with me. I just have to do charitable work, charitable work. I just have to give my money. I have to do these things. And none of those things are bad, but those things are, are not uh, uh, accurate faith steps if they are not out of an expression and a response to the faith and love for your God. If they're just because you're trying to be good, we're missing the point. We have to understand something that when we are disappointed with life and we feel down, I know for me, when I feel discouraged and I feel disconnected with God, I still want to be a good person and that's great. I still want to do good things. I still want to help people. But my, my, my walk with God is very personal. And as my personal walk with God begins to decrease, I find that my external expression to people becomes me just being disguised. It doesn't become genuine. It's no longer sincere. And I find in my own life that I'm just going through the motions and I'm doing good things and I'm giving and I'm going to church online and I'm you know, being nice to folks. But in reality, what's happened is, is I've, slipped in, I've gone from a genuine faith expressed in my life to an insincere faith that I'm just doing good things because it makes me feel better. Now it's heavy, I know, but this is what James is talking about because if you study the idea of faith, the first part of faith talks about the realities of who God is in your life. The second part of faith talks about how does that look in your life? How does that play out in the life that you're living? We feel like sometimes if we do these good things, then I'm gonna feel okay. Everything's gonna be all right. I'm gonna feel okay. I'm gonna feel all right. I'm gonna make it. And I want you to know there's nothing wrong with doing good things, but we have to make sure that the expression of that is from our genuine faith in who God is and a response of love, not just out of us trying to go through the motions and do what we know we need to do because I guess it's what God wants from me. 
we have to recognize that there is a type of faith that is a response to God, and there's a type of faith that, that we don't respond to what God's asking us to do. We're responding to what we think we want to do. It's very important you understand that. And here we see in verse 19 that Paul or James here says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is, there is one God. Good for you. He says, even the demons believe this. And they tremble with terror. What an amazing thing. If you think about this for a minute, as I looked at this thought, about how many people across our country, across the world today, and I'm sure you've talked to them, and maybe you're here today and you're watching, and you say, this would be me. You say, yeah, I believe in God. I'm a, I'm a, I believe in a higher power. Yeah, I believe that there's a God and I believe that there's a higher power and I believe there's, a, there's a, someone, a big guy upstairs. <laughs> but, but here James is saying, do you know that even the demons think that? And they actually have a, a reverent response. Their response is fear. Oh my gosh, shudder. They are overwhelmed with fear that, yeah, we believe that there's a God because we know that God is real. Even demons can confess that there's a God, but demons cannot express that in their life. That's what makes, listen, that's what makes us different between us and a demon is that you and I can express this faith on the external of our lives by being obedient to God when he comes and speaks to us. When the Holy Spirit comes and begins to stir our heart to take steps of faith towards whatever it might be, whether giving a cup of cold water to someone in need or sharing our faith, or maybe God speaks to you about giving financially, or maybe he talks to you about making a job transition, or maybe he's prompting you to share your faith with your brother who doesn't know the Lord, or whatever that, that, that step might be, whatever that good deed or that charitable act or the thing the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, that is the difference maker between us and everyone else on the planet who says, I believe in God, that I am prompted and led to express this inner love and faith for God, that when God speaks to me, I say, okay, God, whatever you want from me. You want me to go talk to that person, God? I'm going to step out in faith. God, you want me to change this relationship that's not healthy for me? I'm going to cut that relationship out. God, you want me to stop spending money here and start saving here? God, you want me to give that, that paycheck that I just got? You want me to give it to this? Or you want me to help that person? Okay, God, I am more than willing to do whatever you want me to do. Why? Not because I want anything in return, but because I have faith in God, knowing that you're the living, alive, you are unchanging, you are ever-present. I know that when I uh, pursue you, that you'll respond to me because God, the entire purpose, of my walk and my faith in being a Christian is not to receive something but to have a relationship with you. So we recognize that often faith can become about us when in reality the whole thing's about him. We see here, he says, man, even, even these demons shudder. And then he gets into this idea and he kind of gets into an example, evidence. He says, how foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? He says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown right to be with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. He says, can't you see? The NIV says, do you need evidence? He says, do you need evidence that your faith alone is not enough? Do you need evidence that in order for your faith to be complete, in order for your faith to be genuine, there must be daily external expressions of faith in your life that are seen in the physical realm, that are seen on the outside, that are seen externally. Do you want evidence that I'm telling the truth? Let's talk about Abraham. He says, let me just take you for a moment and talk to you about Abraham and Rahab. Abraham, as you know, he, he here identifies what these works are. Now, in this verse, you might go back and read this later and say, yeah, but in this verse, Ryan, he's talking about providing a cup of cold water and food and, and, and shelter. And yes, the answer is yes, <laughs> absolutely. But the idea behind this is much deeper. The, the danger we run into uh, is that if we start to think that uh, this verse is only talking about the charitable deeds that we do. You know what we'll do? We'll just go out and do a bunch of charitable deeds. But the point of this verse is not just talking about your charitable deed or the money that you give. The, the point of this verse is to help you understand that our internal faith in God is expressed through obedience to what he asks us to do with our lives. 
It might be giving bread out. It might be helping someone who's in need. It might be quitting your job and moving to Papua New Guinea and being a missionary. It might be you giving some money away. It might be you sharing your faith with your neighbor. That's why I said in the beginning, it's between you and God because I cannot boil it down to you just giving a cup of cold water to somebody, even though you should. The point is, is that this is not just about how a checklist of things you can do. This is about hearing daily what the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying to you. It's easy for me to say, okay, if I just do a cup of cold water and I just do this and I do this, which are good, we should do that. Then, that, then, then this will be an expression. But what happens is we become very, very static in our walk with God and we forget that daily he wants to speak to you by faith and say, I want you to step out in faith. But God, man, this is a big step. Yeah, but do you believe that I'm living? Do you believe that I'm unchanging? Do you believe that I'm ever present? Do you believe that if you, that you reach out to me and seek after me that I will respond to you and give you my presence? Well, yeah, then step out. Because the obedient step I'm asking you to do is a test of the genuineness of your faith. Every time the Holy Spirit speaks to you to step out, he's testing the genuineness of your faith, the sincerity of your faith. And I know that because of this verse. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham was 75 years old. He was invited, he was asked to leave where he had lived his whole life. And God said to him, you're gonna be the father of many nations. The problem was at 75 years old, his wife was like 68, 67 years old. They were barren, they could not have children. 25 years later, Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 93 years old. She has a baby named Isaac. So here they are, they've reached the promise, they've received it. 25 years after that. So 50 years after Genesis 15, we come to Genesis 22. 50 years later, Abraham has the promised son. Abraham has everything that he needs because Isaac is going to be the carrier of the inheritance and be the father of the father of the father of many nations. Isaac is the fulfillment of what Abraham had believed for. And one day God came to Abraham and he said, okay, I need to test if your faith is truly sincere or not. Look what he says in Genesis chapter 22. He says, Spend some time later, I'm sorry, some time later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, yeah, that son, the one that you love so much. And I want you to go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So he doesn't even give Abraham which mountain. He just says, start walking for three days and I'll speak to you. So here's Abraham, this man of God who left everything in his hometown, believed in faith he was gonna have a child, has the child, and now he's supposed to give up the thing that is most dear to him. That's why I can't boil it down to a cup of water because the example that James uses is much, much deeper than that. <laughs> He's asking him for his prized possession. God wants to be first in Abraham's life. God doesn't want a relationship, an addiction, a job, a future, a relationship, a sin, a failure, your past, your future, your present. God doesn't want anything to stand between you and him and your faith in him. He wants to be first. He says here, okay, God, I'm, Abraham, I'm going to test your faith. Is it sincere? Is it genuine? Because I know you have faith. I know you believe in me. But will there be an external expression, physical expression in your life of obedience because of that faith? And so as you know, we can see how this played out in his life. You know, Abraham's thinking, how does this impact me? It took me 25 years to get the son. So Abraham responded by saying, here I am. Doesn't say anything else. The Bible says that he gets up the next morning. He, he gets a donkey, gets wood, gets a, a knife, fire, and his son. They're walking along, and here we see that in this very verse, James is identifying what works are. Works are very clearly obedience to God's voice. 
And Abraham, he got up the next morning, didn't say a word, grabbed all the property, the, the, the fire and the knife, and he grabbed all of these different things and he prepared them all and he put them on a donkey and he started walking towards who knows where, three days down the journey, and all of a sudden, one morning he woke up and off in the distance he sees Mount Moriah. God speaks to him and says, I want you to go up to that mountain right over there, that mountain there. Yeah, that mountain right over there. Okay, I got it, son, you got that. We're gonna go to that mountain. Okay, and as they get, get, get to the mountain, they're walking up a hill. Isaac's just, you know, Isaac's about 20, 23 years old. So he's a grown man. He's leaning over, walking up the hill. Hey, Dad, I see the fire. I see the knife. I see, I see everything, but where is the sacrifice? How, how are we going to offer, you know, worship to God if there's no, no sacrifice? And I love what Abraham says here because this speaks to Abraham's faith. As he's walking up the hill, he says, Son, don't worry about it. God will provide for all of our needs. And remember what faith is. He, the God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Remember, that means that when we have faith, we believe God's going to meet all my need. Here's Abraham, knowing God's asking him to give up his son, believing that even if he did kill his son, God could bring him back from the dead. And he's just walking up the hill. He says, son, don't worry. God's going to provide my ram in the thicket. He's going to provide for all of our needs. Don't you worry about it. Here's a man of faith walking up the top of the hill, wraps his 22-year-old son up as a sacrifice, lays him on a bunch of wood, pulls a knife in the air to murder his own son. What a step of faith. Here I go, God. I want you to know that I'm going to kill the thing in my life that is keeping me back from keeping you first. I'm going to kill the thing in my life. That relationship that I know has been holding me back, that has been keeping me back from truly being fully yours. I'm going to kill that relationship, God. Not them, thank God. I'm going to kill the relationship as in being with them. I'm going to stop that relationship. I'm going to kill that addiction. I'm going to stop doing this thing. Or God, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start reading my Bible. Or I'm going to start praying. Or I'm going to start going to church more. Or I'm going to start being in community. Or I'm going to start joining a group. Or I'm going to start giving my money. Or I'm going to start sharing my faith. I'm going to start or I'm going to stop. We need to realize it in this scripture. God was asking Abraham, do I have everything? Am I first? Because that's what real faith looks like. See, insincere, disingenuine, disguised fake faith says, I believe in God, but there's no external transformative decision making when God says, go, I don't know if I can do that. That's fake faith. Even the demons do that. It's pretty heavy, I know, but think about it for a minute. The purpose of our faith is to be responsive to God and say, all right, Lord, whatever you want from my life. You want me to let go of this bitterness I've been holding on to, this unforgiveness with this person who hurt me or said something about me. You want me to mend that relationship with my parents or you want me to mend that relationship with my friend or you want me to stop spending my money in this area. Whatever it might be for your life, God is testing the genuineness, the sincerity of your faith today saying, hey, is this sincere? Is it genuine? I know you believe in me. I know you believe I'm a living God. I know you believe in the resurrection. I know you believe in heaven and hell. I know you believe all those things. Now show it to me by being obedient to my voice. <laughs> and what he does every time in this story, look what it says in verse 12. Here's Abraham willing to let go. Willing to let go of the hurt. Willing to let go of the pain. Willing to let go of the situation. Willing to let go of the relationship. Willing to let go of whatever it was that might have his heart more than God. He's willing. And all of a sudden, the, the angel cried out, Lay down the knife! Don't hurt the lad in any way, the angel said. Listen to this. For I know, now know that God is first in your life. Or another translation says, now I know that you fear God. You've not withheld even your beloved son from me. You haven't withheld even that relationship. You haven't withheld even that desire to buy that thing. You haven't withheld that, that need you want or that thing you want or the desire you have or the challenge you have. You haven't even withheld that from me. Now I know I am definitely first in your life. See, this is what James defines as works. We've often broke works down to social injustices or meeting a need or, or giving cold water. All those things are good. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to give a cup of cold water, do it. And if he doesn't, it's still probably a good idea. 
But the point is, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and he begins to speak to your heart, faith is not just thinking about it. Faith is not just praying about it. Faith is not just fasting. Faith is doing. It's stepping out in faith. Saying, okay, God, I'm gonna do what you asked me to do. Listen to this, genuine faith must go beyond the intellect to the will. It must affect our attitudes, actions, as well as our beliefs. Listen to this. It is a good thing to possess an accurate theology, but it is unsatisfactory unless the good theology also possesses us. Faith is putting God first in our lives. Now look at the end of James' verse here. In verse 22 of James 2, he says this. You see, Abraham's faith and Abraham's actions work together. That word action or work together, I'm sorry, is the word synergy. The idea of synergy is that you can't, you can't have one thing here and one thing here. They do not work, to, they will not work unless they're put together. You won't, a car will not work unless you add gasoline. Gasoline just sits there unless you put it in a car. Put together, there's synergy. Put together, they work. Put together, there's momentum. Put together, there's advancement. Put together, there's miracles. Put together, there's breakthrough. There's provision. There's transformation. When you take your faith and you add it to a work, God does something incredible in your life. When you add those things together, there is synergy. They go hand in hand. But I want to point out to you in this verse, as you see on your screen, something so beautiful. And this is the point of it all. Look what it says in this verse. It says that Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Look at this. He was even called the friend of God. Think about that for a minute. The whole purpose of our faith was to have a relationship with God. I love this because I want to simplify this whole idea of Christianity for those of you watching today. You might think that it has, oh, church attendance or giving my tithe or maybe you're from a Catholic background and I got to go talk to the priest and I got to do the communion and do all these things and all those things are great things for your life. But the reality is, is you want to know what this is all about? It's very simple. A friendship with Jesus. That's it. And when you have a faith in God, when you believe that God exists, when you believe that God is living, when you believe that he is ever present, that he is unchanging, that he rewards you, that he wants to respond to you when you seek him, that when God speaks to you, you obey. Guess what happens? It's called a friendship. You pursue him, he pursues you. You reach out to him, he responds to you, he speaks to you, you respond to him, back and forth, you're having a give and take, you're having a relationship, and now you're experiencing a, an unmixed, pure, genuine relationship with God that is founded on you being responsive to him and him being responsive to you and partnering together in this journey. That's what friendship looks like and that's what God wants with you. You are not a minion. You are not this little human on the planet. You are not a scumbag. You are not like too far gone to have a relationship with him. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, he's removed his sin from you. The Bible says there is nothing, nothing, no thing that can separate you from the love of God. I want you to know today that this idea of faith, yes, it's hard to give up things in our lives and put him first, but when you do, guess what happens? You have that relationship with God that you've been wanting in your life. And I want to say this with boldness today. If you're watching here today, there might be a bitterness or an unforgiveness or an addiction or shortcoming or a relationship or something in your life that is a big deal to you. And I want to tell you today, if by faith you can let that thing go and give it to God and make him first in your life, I want to make a promise to you that he will bless you He'll pour his favor on you. He'll pour his grace on you, his joy on you, his love on you, and you will experience everything you've ever desired in your walk with God. But that thing, that Isaac, might be keeping you from experiencing the friendship with God that you've wanted. You might be thinking, God will never receive me. He, God will he will respond to you. But we have to understand that faith is not sincere and genuine unless there is a desire to respond in our lives on the outside. It needs to be a response. You might be wondering, man, how do I have a relationship with God? How do I get a friendship with God? By faith. 
Do you believe he created the universe? Do you believe that he parted the Red Sea? Do you believe the Bible is true? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he is ever-present and unchanging in your life? I'm just going to ask uh, the band to come, Atlanta to start playing if you could. It'd be awesome. I want to end on this last thought today, and then uh, I'll let you go today. You see, James was talking about what faith looks like, and he wasn't just talking about works, faith and works. He's talking about faith. It's easy to think, okay, he's talking about faith, he's talking about works. No, no, he's just talking about faith. Because when you have genuine faith, the natural expression of that is works. So works is like the byproduct. Works is like the expression. Works is like what happens when we really give our lives to God. And so really this whole idea is faith. And I found it very, very fascinating that James could have chosen any characters from Hebrews chapter 11, the hallmark of faith, the, the, the hall of faith, these men and women of God that are patriarchs, our uh, matriarchs, our ancestors that we look at and say, wow, look at their faith, look at their lives. James chose two figures. He chose Abraham, the father of our faith, a man who was stepped out and was a man of God. And everything you read about Abraham's life was like, my gosh, this guy is the pinnacle of Christianity, the pinnacle of what it means to be a person of faith. Wow, I'll never be like that. But isn't it interesting that he also chose Rahab? He chose a patriarch and he chose a prostitute. He chose somebody who looked apart and maybe they've been going to church their whole life and maybe they, they, they read the Bible and maybe they know the things of God and they understand theology. And he says, I want you to show you today that even Abraham had to have his faith tested. Or maybe you're here today and you're watching and you're like, man, I'm like Rahab. I'm like a prostitute. I'm like a sinner. I'm like, man, I shouldn't even be watching this today or I'm too far from God or I made too many mistakes or my past is too difficult or I'm too far gone. I'm just like Rahab. I want you to know that God came for every person, all people that you might understand today. You might be an Abraham. You might be a Rahab. You might be a patri patriarch. You might be a prostitute. You might be really close to God. You might be really far from God, but I want you to know today even you can have faith in God today even you can have a relationship with God today no matter where you're at Rahab the pro was a prostitute she heard a rumor that the people of Israel they served this God named Yahweh and they said he's the living God and immediately when she heard that she said I believe I believe that and she exercised her faith that when these spies came to the door in Jericho, because Jericho was going to come tumbling down and the people of Israel sent spies into Jericho to, to check it out. The spies just happened to go to Rahab's door. And I bet you, it doesn't say this, but I would wonder if maybe God spoke to Rahab when she said, hey, I heard about those Israelites and their God. He's a living God. And Rahab said, gosh, I believe in that living God. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, there's going to be men coming to your door. Let them stay in your house. And I want to make you a promise. I'll reward you. I'll bless your life. And she, when they came to the door, she had to make a decision. Am I going to choose my people, the sinless nation that I'm from? Or am I going to let these people of God that represent the living God that I believe in, am I going to be... Uh, uh, responsive to God's word in my life, even though it could cost me everything. Okay, guys, come on in. He let them in. He put them upstairs. He let them out the back window. And it says that when the people of Israel went into Jericho and the walls were coming tumbling down, you know what they did? They went and looked for Rahab. They grabbed Rahab and her entire family and they saved that woman and her entire family. That day, she received salvation. And guess what? Rahab became a seed line carrier of Jesus Christ, just like you and I are and so you might be thinking like like is this for the the super Christian here no this is just for you and for me people who are broken and sinful and need God and have areas of our life that are dark skeletons in our closet things we're not proud of areas where we feel like we don't cut it and he came to your door and he said hey do you believe in me I believe in you okay now I'm going to speak to your heart I want to be first. I want that thing to come out of your life. I want to be first. And if you do that, I want to have a, a friendship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Come on, we're going to pray for two people. We do this every week. Pray for two people. The first person we pray for is those who are watching today. Maybe you're like the Abraham. 
Maybe you're a follower of God and you've been in church for a long time. You're watching today, you call yourself a, a Christian or maybe a follower of Jesus. And you found yourself maybe slipping into a little bit of do-goodism where your, your, your heart, you believe in God, but it's just become more of an emotional or intellectual reality. It hasn't become a lifestyle. It hasn't become a thing where, man, you're daily stepping out in faith, walking by faith, letting God speak to you. Whenever God speaks to you, you're saying, yes, God, I'll pray for that person, or yes, God, I'll give money to that thing, or yes, God, I'll join that group, or yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, here I am, God. What do you want for my life? That's where God wants us. That's what genuine faith looks like. Maybe you're not like that today and you want to be like that. I'm going to pray for you right now. So come on, just close your eyes. I'm going to pray with you. Father, I just pray for those watching today, God, who feel like they've lost that genuine, sincere faith. Where they, they believe in you, God. They make an intellectual declaration that you are real but father they haven't seen this expression in their life i pray right now father firstly all shame would go away there's no need to have shame there's no need to have guilt god you come to us and you love us and you say okay it's all right let's do this again come on let's try again and today god for those who are feeling uh discouraged or faithless i pray you'd strengthen their faith today you'd strengthen their heart today you'd strengthen their mind today and that today holy spirit right now you'd speak to them and you'd identify from the smallest to the biggest areas of their life god where you just want to be first come on holy spirit right now i just pray that for those watching right now and those in the room right now i pray holy spirit right now would you speak to them where father in our lives have we allowed you to become second? Where, God, in our lives have we put priority over you so that we aren't responsive anymore and we're not stepping out in faith anymore and we're not doing what you called us to do anymore, Lord? Even in this COVID season, Father, Lord, I pray right now you'd speak to people, you'd speak to their hearts, and you'd minister to them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I want to pray for our second person here today. And the second person we pray for is maybe you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live and, and uh, you're not a follower of God. You're not a Christian. You don't are part of a local church. And may you say, man, like, I like what you're talking about today. I want to know. I want a friendship with God. This is great because I want you to know it's, it's really easy. And guess what? It's free and it's undeserved. It's a gift. And all you have to do, the Bible teaches, is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is. That's called faith. And guess what the Bible says? He will respond to you if you sincerely seek him. So if you want to know Jesus today, it's very simple. We just have to confess it with our mouth and believe it in our heart. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're at home right now and you'd like to give your life to Christ, I'm going to say a prayer. And at the end of that prayer, I'd love you to direct, go right online. Go to our website uh, or, or, or even uh, email and email us at info at lovecitychurch.ca. We would love to get to know you and make sure you're a part of a great church and tell you a little bit more about Jesus and honestly just get to know you better. So come on, let me pray with you. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you today. We acknowledge that we need you. I have faith that you are the living God. And I confess with my mouth that I believe in you. And I confess with my heart that I believe in you. Will you come and minister to me today? Will you forgive me of any error or sin in my life? Wash me whiter than snow. I pray right now that you would take a hold of my heart and take a hold of my life. My life is yours. And I want a relationship with you, a friendship with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, I hope you have a great day today on this beautiful Sunday. We can't wait to see you Wednesday night. We have our Pursue Night. And the next Sunday, we start our new series, Thriving, not surviving. I love you guys. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.